Hello and welcome to the True Blue LA podcast. Lots have happened, action-packed, two weeks since we last talked. Eric, uh, well, there's some, uh, the not much, actually. Never mind. It's G- our Good last, night, everybody. It's our last podcast of 2021, so what we're going to do is read the transcript of every other podcast this year. So That's exciting. It's going to be fun. Uh, there has been some news, um, some celebratory, some infamous and gross. Um, we'll talk about both after after our little our little commercial break, and then we have you know the segments you've all come to love. We have some trivia, some questions from Craig. We have a Dodgers rewind. All of that after this. You know, it was a little presumptuous of me to say that uh, people have come to love those segments. I, I you know I'm going to choose to believe every single person loves them. Oh yeah, there it's it's universal, really. I <laughs> you know, <laughs> the old uh, Bud Selig trope of people come up to me in the street all the time and say, "Hey, you know what I love about your podcast?" And I say, "Wait, who are you?" Uh no, um but yeah, they they love the segments. They love it all. So, we've got um we'll we'll start with uh, the gross news. Um came out yesterday was this yesterday it came out two days ago yeah uh we're recording this tuesday the 14th uh this came out on monday the 13th uh yeah washington post had a story by gus garcia roberts um so uh yasiel puig uh this was when he was with the dodgers uh he uh had there were two um alleged sexual encounters the day before Fan Fest and then the day of Fan Fest at Dodger Stadium. Not the, they weren't at Dodger Stadium, but they happened around, uh, basically around that event. Um, and uh, so the the incidents, um, the two women accused him. Gloria Alred uh, was the attorney for both women, and she um, was able to reach a settlement. For the, both women with Puig, Puig t- uh, paid a total of $325,000 while also denying wrongdoing. Um, the, the thing about this is, you know, MLB learned of the settlements uh, during the 2017 season. Puig was a Dodger. He was a Dodger through 2018. Uh, Puig was never placed on administrative leave, um, basically because the info wasn't public, you know, like every other sort of a uh, person in the domestic violence um, policy from the league, like Trevor Bauer, once his that restraining order was filed, then it became like a public matter. So it, basically the league never acts unless um, it like negatively affects them from a PR standpoint. That's one, that's one frustrating thing about this. So the other thing is in the, in the story, it says Puig did grant uh, permission to, uh, to the women to speak with investigators because part of the settlement was non-disclosure agreement. However, that's sort of a little bit overreaching because the policy itself, um, the joint policy itself says like, if, if there's an agreement that, that says, um, someone can't like comply with an investigation because of a disclosure agreement, that player is considered to, uh, be non-cooperative and can be punished under the policy for that alone. Um, so like that's, it was more procedural that they, but anyway, MLB, uh, per this Washington Post report, um, even though the women had permission, it said it's not clear whether the women chose to do so. And MLB closed its investigation without taking action. Now, the other issue is 
when exactly do the teams get informed? I, under the policy, if MLB opens an investigation, they have to inform the, the Players Association. I don't believe the team technically has to get informed until like they're at the we're going to place administrative leave situation or something like that. So it's plausible, plausible maybe, that the Dodgers did not know of this. Um, Stan Kasten, when asked by the Washington Post about this uh, four-year-old uh, story, uh, he said, I have no recollection of that at all. Uh, Kasten hasn't given the best Stan, quotes, Stan uh, is so this. bad at this. Yeah, and, and, but I would say it is at least plausible uh, that the Dodgers didn't know. Um, now, the and the other thing that's just, frustra- just super frustrating about all this, um, the kind of the reason this came out was because Puig had another uh, uh, situation, uh, an alleged sexual assault at Staples Center in on Halloween 2019. He, he was sued in October 2020. Puig ended up countersuing. That case was settled uh, for, with Puig giving them 250000 There's another sort of frustrating thing where his current agent, um, she called the settlements peanuts and that that's just a thing that happens you know like um like this is all normal um now about this the the 2019 case with uh that Puig settled uh an MLB this is from the Washington Post an MLB spokesman said that with the lawsuit settled the league is now actively reviewing the case so still possible there's something coming in in regards to that Puig was a free agent um he didn't sign anywhere in 2020. He had an agreement with the Braves, but then didn't finalize it, be, uh, partly because he tested positive for COVID. And, you know, everything around last year was kind of weird anyway, so he ended up not playing. Uh, last week, he went on sort of a PR blitz, um, sort of trying to get his name out there, trying to play in Major League Baseball again in 2022, uh, including, like, this a long statement about how uh, he's been um, – covered uh wrongly now granted there's some decent points that he brought up in that like especially um how like um hispanic players are sort of um possibly you know not not treated fairly when like joining uh somewhere that's their second language and that but it was pretty clear that he was trying to get ahead of this thing that was coming out so like it just rings hollow, like just generally. But that—that's what's happening. Like so, but then Puig ended up signing um, last week with the Kiwoom Heroes in the Korean baseball organization. So, uh, not an MLB this coming year. Who knows if he will uh, get you know suspended or something like that? But that's that's where it's at, and it's just—it's all gross. It, it speaks to like Major League Baseball. W- what is the you know? What is the true point of a, a domestic violence policy like if it's not like protecting, you know, the victims um, and all this? But then also, it's just it, it, everything about it is gross, uh, and that's that's that. Yeah, and just before we leave this, I think the only thing is, is that this is just a another uh, example of a pattern that major league baseball has shown and really most uh, professional sports, um, not exclusively, but a lot of times of just getting this wrong and playing catch up on just doing the decent thing, being as, as victim prioritizing as you can be. Um, and instead of prioritizing money essentially, and it's just uh, a disappointment again, 
Yeah, and it seems like MLB. It, it's all you know. You can extend this to like even the Astros sign stealing stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. They investigated as far as uh, enough to say to wipe their hands of it and say, "Look, we've dealt with this. Like you know, it's it's over now." And they they don't how you know how deep are these investigations really? Like that, who knows? But yeah, it's all it's uh, untoward. I would say. Well, moving towards uh, happy news in, in Dodgerland, at least, uh, although uh, this wasn't without some frustrating controversy as well, uh, Gil yeah. Hodges is headed to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I did not expect this just because I think most he's, people didn't. He's just Scully, always maybe he's been up. So, like, this is the, I was sort of amazed because I didn't realize how many times. So, this was the 35th time Gil Hodges was up for consideration for the Hall of Fame. 15 times on the writer's ballot, uh, and he he had the most votes ever uh, for someone, total votes by the writers, until uh, Jack Morris passed him uh, years later, but that was also on a bigger ballot. Like, Hodges gained, in 15 years, like, over 52% of the vote, and that's the highest uh, for a while. I, I'm not, I think... Um, you know, it's only ten years now, but I think like uh, Schilling, Bonds, and Clemens will all probably, I believe, pass that this year when they when they uh, when the totals are done. But the point is, Gil Hodges was very um, he. I, I think uh, Sam or no, uh, Russ and Dodd on the Athletic. He he sort of summarized a lot of it, uh, and he called him the the most hard luck uh, candidate in Hall of Fame history, and I think that's right. Um, However, so I, and I, Sunday was my day off anyway, and I, so I didn't have anything like pre-written, um, just because I didn't expect it. Uh, and I was—I think I was napping uh, when the news came out. And I woke up. I was like, "What? Like, what happened?" Like, so that, that was like a nice little jolt. So he got twelve out, out of sixteen votes from the Golden Days Air Committee. Uh, Jaime Harin was uh, part of that committee. It's it, those committees sort of change up every every time they do them. Um, it's basically for the, the group that whose biggest contributions were from 1950 to 1969. And Hodges certainly fits that. Um, he was one of four, uh, hall of famers elected by that committee. Also Minnie Mignoso, which was great in its own right. Tony Oliva, uh, and then Jim Cott, who pitched for like 25 years. He won 16 gold gloves, which is always wild. And it's also wild that he doesn't have the most ever by a pitcher because Greg Maddox won 18. But, um, uh, the other thing, so that group, um, so there's 16 people, um, you're only allowed, allowed to vote for four. So, um, Which that is in itself is, is limiting, stupid. right? And so, <laughs> and so you're, stupid. so it's, there's 64 votes total possible. Not everyone votes for four and maybe they do. But so the group, I, I think it was Minoso got 14, Oliva, Cott and Hodges each got 12, and then Dick Allen got 11. So that accounted for 61 of the 64 possible votes. And then they didn't, li- they never list like the full vote total. They just say, they list some and then say like everyone else got three or less. But there are only three other possible votes. Like Maury Wills was on there. Who knows if he even got one. Um, but yeah, Dick Allen for the second straight time, I believe, uh, and the other was also five years ago, he missed out by one vote getting in the Hall of Fame. And it sucks even more so because. Dick Allen just died last year. Like you're obviously you're never gonna at this point you're never gonna be able to elect him when he's alive. But it, that, that's I think sometimes those take priority over 
uh, you know, some things, but like, it's just, it's very frustrating, obviously. Now I would say this while, and like Hodges, you can make a case like he, he probably fell short in a lot of ways, statistically, even though there were some little quirks that were there. But I think also these committees are also allowed to do the, um, uh, sort of count like a total baseball life. Cause Hodges sort of fits that. Like he not only, uh, widely regarded as a very excellent player and and popular player a famous on a famous team um but also managed the 1969 Mets like a team who sucked for the first like eight years of their existence and then uh or I guess seven years and then uh won a World Series uh, under Hodges obviously like having like Tom Seaver uh was a big part of that too but you know, Hodges was widely credited with being a, a great manager. He only, and he died like, um, you know, just uh, with less than three years later of a heart attack during spring training. So he has sort of the tragic aspect of it too. Um, like Jay Jaffe's Jaws system uh, rates him 40th all time among first basemen and actually below average of sort of the 21 first basemen in the hall. That said, uh, I saw. I thought this was sort of shocking, and it, it, it doesn't seem to me like. I mean, it is a sort of a qualifying thing. But when Hodges retired in 1963, he was third all time in Major League history among right-handed batters and home runs. Uh, only Jimmy Fox and then Willie Mays, who had like just passed him, uh, were ahead of him. In the 50s, he was second in the majors in home runs and RBIs. Uh, Duke Snyder, his teammate, was first. Part of that was playing in Ebbets Field uh, was favorable. Uh, for sure. Uh, also, Hodges was considered very strong defensively. Um, he won the first three gold gloves at first base, 1957 and 59, and those were his, like, ages 33 to 35 years. Like, had gold gloves been awarded, like, earlier, he might have won, like, 10, you know? Uh, who knows? Or something like that, like, at least a higher number. The 35 times uh, thing was also nuts. The other thing that sucked about that, so that's 20 veterans committees that he was basically on. 1993 was especially tragic because uh, I forget the total that year. I want to say it was it would have been 18 people on the panel. Roy Campanella was one of them. He was sick, however, and this was only like a few months before he died. He couldn't make it to wherever they were doing. I, I it's usually where the winter meetings are is where these people meet up, um, and he couldn't make it there. And I believe whoever was like leading the committee at the time. They didn't allow any votes by phone. So, like, if you weren't present, you couldn't vote. And Campanella was going to vote for Hodges. And Hodges fell one vote short. So, like, just absolutely brut a brutal way um, to, to not uh, do it. But then, yeah, so, like, that was sort of a nice shot of good news. Uh, Gil Hodges' wife, um, who is 95, um, they she still lives in the same house in Brooklyn, that she and Gil lived in when he played for the Dodgers, which I thought was, I think it's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, so like that, that was a nice little shot of good news. Um, so yeah, that's, that, that was nice. Um, and I mentioned the controversy. Uh, I think, I think you mentioned briefly as well, just Dick Allen should, should have gotten in and I think would have oh. gotten in had he, the, the limit of four players. Yes. Uh, I forget who tweeted this, and I apologize for that, but I saw uh, the summation of, like, either you're a Hall of Famer or you're not. Like, why yeah. have these arbitrary rules? Like His stats the... didn't change. Right? Yeah. Like... Um, and that's that's a shame. He'll be uh, up again in 2026, I think. Yeah, I think so. 
Um, and uh, he, uh, I, I imagine we'll get in then, but it's still frustrating yep. uh, to see random bureaucracy get in the way of, of, of what's right. Um, and, and I think I, I've become more of like a bigger hall person, like as I get older, I think, because you sort of see like how how cool it is for the people like Jim Cott, probably not a Hall of Famer, but like I don't know who who it's hurting that he's in, yeah. to be honest. You know, like the more you think about it, like but yeah, I don't know. Um but we didn't get into this before, um, but like I just wanted to mention so this is our forty sixth podcast of this year. That's the most we've ever done in a year. Um, yeah, during the season, we generally do one every week. We, we were we were pretty good about that this year, I think. Uh, probably maybe a couple times we skipped, mm-hmm. and then it got a little more hectic during the playoffs, and then in the offseason, it's basically been one every two weeks. But 46 is a lot for a year. Uh, the, we did 44 in 2016. We did 42 in 2013. 2013 means we've been doing this for nine years. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wrote it in the notes, but I don't know if you even saw. Do you do you realize how many episodes we've actually done? No, since we I didn't started see this. this. Uh, well, do you have a guess? Um, but the average thirty times eight, like it's like two hundred. So I'm glad you undershot it because we are at two hundred and ninety. <laughs> oh, th- th- this wow. is episode two ninety. I thought, I'm like, oh yeah, it's probably two twenty or something like that. Wow. So we need to. That, does that mean we have to do at some point in like March or, 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 or something with the, our spectacular three hundredth episode? Do you something? think we are going to have ten episodes to talk about? <laughs> no, between no, now and March? I don't know. Well, they're all they're all going to be <laughs> countdowns. <laughs> yeah, three hundredth episode. We're just going to talk about old podcasts. Um, uh, that was fun. Uh, yeah. So, um, that I, by inserting this there, I realized I ruined a wonderful transition. Uh, speaking of Mets managers, um, so the Mets don't have a manager currently. Um, they interviewed at least six people, uh, for their current opening, uh, last week. Among them were Dodgers bench coach, Bob Guerin and first base coach Clayton McCullough. However, it seems like they did not make the a group of three finalists who are on to the next round, uh, including Buck Showalter and I believe the bench coach for the Astros and Rays. Um, so, yeah, that's where we're at there. Um, but, yeah, so that that sort of happened. The rest of this stuff is, like I said, with no lockout, it's all really just like scattershot minor stuff. Literally minor league, uh, They the Rule 5 draft, you couldn't have the Major League Rule 5 draft during the lockout, but... They had the minor league rule five draft and normally like no one cares about that because, you know, whoever comes out of the minor league rule five draft and it's kind of the same this year. However, the Dodgers did draft two players who were uh, who pitched in the majors in 2021. They did not pitch well at all. Um, It's still notable. Carson Fulmer, uh, they got him from the Reds. Now, he is a former first round pick in 2015. The Dodgers now have four first-round picks from 2015 on their team. Uh, Walker Bueller, Phil Bickford, uh, and Bo Burrows. The latter signed a minor league deal uh, in November. Um, but, yeah, so, like, the other thing is, like, Carson Palmer went to Vanderbilt when Bueller was there. So if you go back to the 2015 College World Series, um, the Dodgers uh, – it was Vanderbilt versus Virginia. So the Dodgers drafted Walker Bueller. They drafted Phil Pfeiffer, who was also on Vanderbilt, and then Fulmer was like the number eight overall pick. He was the ace of Vanderbilt. They also um, later drafted Jordan Sheffield the next year, and then outfielder um, uh, Jaron Kendall two years later. 
And then the Dodgers also in the second round drafted um, uh, um, Josh Spores, who was the most outstanding player of the College World Series for Virginia. So they were all in on that. They're all in on the 2015 College World Series. So I'm excited for that. The other weird quirk of this, it just of the Rule 5 draft in general, uh, John Duplantier, uh, who used to play a pitch for the Diamondbacks, he signed a minor league deal with the Giants on December 3rd. And then I, I think the Rule 5 draft was December 8th. The Giants didn't place him on like the AAA reserve list. Like, I don't know if it's like a procedural thing or just like probably willing to let him get away given how like sort of badly he pitched the last year or so. But um, he was available. So then the Dodgers got him. But that's got to be weird for him, right? Like, all right, I'm going to go to the Giants. I probably get a shot. I mean, and to be honest, the Dodgers use so many pitchers, he might still get a shot. But it's just sort of funny. Like, yeah, I made my choice. I'm going to go pitch for the Giants in, in the minor leagues in, in 2022. Nope, I'm now a Dodger. Like, that's, <laughs> that's just how it works sometimes. You could see them getting, like, non-roster invitees. Um, where they will pitch, uh, most likely, if they're still on the team come time when the season starts, is Oklahoma City, I would imagine. that uh, There's a little bit of a change there just this morning, actually. Um, the Dodgers no longer have an ownership stake in the OKC Dodgers. Um so the they've owned they've been an affiliate for the other Dodgers for the last seven years as part of the thing uh, when they sort of became an affiliate. Um, the Dodgers uh, ownership group bought in to a partnership with uh, half with um, a company, Mandalay Bay, like baseball. Um, that company already had Peter Goober on it, who's part of the Dodger ownership team. So it was like a sort of a, a, a joint venture between them. And now, uh, it's another like still trying to figure out what what this this company's trying to do, but uh, Endeavor, which is sort of a uh, like a worldwide uh, they say worldwide sports entertainment like conglomerate, and they really are. They own a lot of stuff. They're getting into minor league baseball now. They formed a company called Diamond Baseball Holdings. In the last week, they've purchased ten minor league teams. Uh, they got the AAA teams for the. Dodgers, Cubs, Cardinals, and Yankees. There were two Class A teams in there, and then all four Braves affiliates. So, like, they're getting into it. Uh, but, like, it doesn't, from an operational standpoint, it's really not much different. It's still going to be Oklahoma City, um, Dodgers. They're still affiliated with the Dodgers through 2030, through agreements. I don't know if, like, minor league baseball being under the major league umbrella now in terms of, like, how it's operated – I don't know if that streamlines things. It makes it better for owners, or like you're, you sort of wonder why is it someone buying into it like like this deeply? And who knows? Maybe and maybe the Dodgers just wanted to cash out that part of the investment. I looked when they bought them in September 2014. They the that group paid 25 million dollars uh, for the team. So who knows what it's worth now? I don't know who knows how the pandemic affected things. You know, I'm certain it's, it would have been more than 25 million. I don't know how the pandemic affected that. Other minor league stuff, um, teams around the league like have been announcing like minor league deals here and there, like including some non-roster invitees. The Dodgers haven't really done anything regarding that. Uh, old friend uh, D Gordon, D Strange Gordon, um, signed a minor league deal with the Nats. Uh, that's that's kind of it. The other thing is Danny Duffy. 
Um, Dodgers traded for him uh, a day before they did the Scherzer Trey Turner deal, uh, but he was on the IL with the flexor tendon issue. Um, he ended up not pitching with the Dodgers. Uh, he thought he was going to have he had a torn UCL and considered retirement, but then it turns out he didn't have a torn ligament. Annie McCullough with the Athletic, who covered Duffy when he was uh, writing for the Kansas City Star uh, with the Royals. Uh, wrote for The Athletic, um, Duffy will start a throwing program in March. He hopes to be ready to pitch by June. This is a quote from Duffy. I'm pumped. I was going to take it to the house, but I got the itch. I got more in the tank for sure. Uh, take it to the house there is referring to him uh, thinking about retirement. Uh, but yeah, so Danny Duffy did not pitch. Uh, we'll get a uh, Dodgers uh, season interview soon. I have not finished writing that one yet. It's coming up. Uh, that's going to wrap up in the next two weeks because they're going to be done by December 31st. Uh, but I'm trying to think. Uh, so uh, Gil Hodges, now a Hall of Famer. Uh, he's one of eight members of the two or of the 1955 Brooklyn Dodgers who are in the Hall of Fame. How many of the other seven can Jacob name? I will put up a pitiful attempt after this. How many Hall of Famers outside of Gil Hodges can I name that uh, were I'll, members? I'll, 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 I'll uh, even I'll even let you name Gil Hodges to juice oh, your numbers. Oh, great. Uh, so if we include me naming Gil Hodges of the 55 Dodgers, yep. um, what what's your over-under? How many do you think I'll get? I think you'll get at least five. Okay. Um, I need You need to clarify this question a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. Are these Hall of Famers exclusively as players? No. Are these, uh, when they're part of the 55 teams, are they you counting only players? No. Okay. Uh, Tommy Lasorda. Yes. Uh, Walter Austin. Yes. Jackie Robinson. Yep. Roy Campanella. Yep. Duke Snyder. Yep. Pee Wee Reese. Yep. Ha- uh, Gil Hodges. Yep. So How many? Seven. <sighs> and then we have the two players that frustrate me at exactly when they started. Uh, I will tell you that this is a player. The other, the eighth yeah, yeah. is a player. Um, uh, I can't remember if it's if, if, is Don Drysdale. His first year was 1956. Yeah, that's what I thought. When uh, quit, when was Sandy's first year? When was he the bonus baby? Because I, I know that gets um, weird where he, they had like had to hold him and. So I could tell you it's, it was 1955. Yeah, <laughs> all right. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> and yeah, and famously, I don't know exactly what part of the season this was because it seems like. Uh, I've, it's been told this way so many times, but um, uh, to get Koufax onto the roster, um, they had to make a, a roster move, right, to remove someone, and they chose Tommy Lasorda. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and Lasorda famously said, like, it took a Hall of Famer to get me off that roster, or whatever <laughs> it was. But yeah, so yeah, good. You you did excellently. That was that was good. Because it gets once con- you once you cracked the the manager. Yeah, and, gambit, and like I. Because it gets weird, right? Because Don Drysdale was who he was before Sandy, but yes. but Sandy was actually on the roster early, and I couldn't remember how that went. So yeah, yeah. I'm all right. With no, that. you 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 did one. I'm really happy was... I got Tommy Lasorda. I was cracking. I I think you used the word members, uh, Keely. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, cool. Oh, before Dodgers rewind, mm. I have a couple of trivia oh. questions for you. A Dodgers I, fast forward, and yeah, okay. uh, you know, yeah. so often. Uh, you get asked the present day is this, question. Is this question from Jacob? Yeah, look at this. 
uh, Craig always tends to give you because he likes. I think he likes yeah. knows that I like asking uh, questions. I also might know the answer to. Um, I, I'm not going to be so nice. So, um, <laughs> sort of a funny quirk of how the Dodgers only do Hall of Famers uh, with Jim Gillian accepting and quasi Fernando um, is uh, because Gil Hodges went so long not getting a Hall of Fame. A lot of people have used the number 14 in the Dodgers system. Yeah. Um, I have three questions for you, all related to that fact. Can you name the first Dodger to ever use number 14? I'll give uh, you one hint. It's a Hodges? part of the 1932 Brooklyn Dodgers. Oh. Um, no. I, so I, I haven't written this yet, I, although I did some of the research. It's going to be about um, players to wear eventual retired Dodgers numbers after said player retired. Yep. Um, that was also of great like, interest to me. Yeah. And so, um, but I did not go back to prior, uh, so if it's what 32, mm-hmm. I'll give man, you even one more uh, hint. He is a member of the hall of fame. So I guess I would say, I guess I would. It's either it's one of two things. I don't think he was there by this time. That no, I won't say that. I'll just I'll just guess Casey Stingle. Nope. I'll give you one more hint. He is a member of the True Blue LA podcast Major Leagues team that we created. Uh, really? Um, yep. Okay. I don't. Yeah, I don't know because I was I, I was gonna, nice. I was gonna say Burley Grimes, but like, <laughs> uh, but it, he was gone by then. All right, I'm going to give you three strikes. Name one. Do you know how many Dodgers wore 14 after Gil Hodges? Um, wow. Uh, it's a lot. Uh, it's like, uh, not, maybe not, like six? <laughs> 22. After uh, he left? Yes. Uh, so I have my question to you. With three <laughs> strikes, how many can you name? Uh, so, okay. Well, going, so... Uh, uh, Kike Hernandez is the uh, last one. Yep. Um, so, at, okay, before that, there were, okay, so I, I, I semi remember, oh, so Mark Ellis. Yep. Um, Dan Heron. Yep. Um, I'm oh, re- Mike Sosha, obviously. Yep. Um, oh, man. Yeah, so I f- I really proud of myself when I was thinking of this question to myself before I looked up the answer. Uh, mm-hmm. The person before Mark Ellis, I knew right away, and I have no idea why. Um, Rick Auerbach was one, pretty uh, sure. Uh, I do not see that. I think oh, he was nineteen seventy six. I'll look after we're done because there was a, a separate uh, the, thing. Oh. I have a different player in nineteen seventy six. Hmm. Yeah, I'm using uh, Baseball Almanac as my source. So besides that, like I'm gonna tap out because okay. I I know I wrote like all of these, but I just <laughs> yeah, yeah. they're not coming to mind. Uh, Jamie Carroll is who I thought of immediately. Ah, uh, Jamie Carroll. All right, I'll go through I this he was list. Eleven for some reason. Real quick, uh, Juan Castro, <coughs> Pablo Azuna, oh, yeah, of course, Chin Lun Hu, uh, Mike Lieberthal, Bill Mueller, Larry Barnes, Jeff Robolet, F. P. Santiago, Delano De Shields, Vaughn. Uh, thank you. Um, Von Joshua, uh, Ivan DeJesus, who is who I have in 76. Von Joshua, I'm pretty sure I had. Um, yeah. Uh, Chris Canazaro, Tim Haller, 
Lynn Gabrielson, uh, Johnny Warhouse, Bill Scockron, and Ken McMullen. Scourin. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I'm bad at names. Um, yes. <laughs> wow. Um, Okay, Jacob. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, <laughs> hey, you know, uh, where, where I, I got to be able would, to take I it. Would, I would never. Um, let me see here. Oh, okay, no wonder I, I sorted the wrong thing. Um, retired numbers. Let's. I, I have. Uh, yep. Yeah, all right. Because I, I want to. I remember looking. I looked in the media guide and then on Baseball Reference mm-hmm. as well. Because there's there's always some ones that are like slipped. Yeah, and I would believe that like something a site like Baseball Almanac maybe simplifies a little bit. Like maybe there were two players in one season and they only picked one. I'm not sure. So there were a bunch like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, eleven people wore uh, Don Sutton's number twenty before it was retired Mm. after Sutton. Um, Okay, so uh, Rick Auerbach was number one. I knew that's I knew his name was there. Okay, so I guess I didn't write down all the Gil Hodges fourteens. In this, uh, I, when I did the research, I'm looking at this article, uh-huh. um, and like I did all the ones. So like there's six, the six of the ten retired numbers people wore. The best story in that group was um, uh, Ray Lamb in 1969. Um, he wore number 42, and I think it was like given to him by mistake, <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, Bill Plasky on like the 50th anniversary of that a couple years ago, like caught up with him and he wrote a really good story about it. Um, but yeah, so there's uh, yeah, I, that's that's why I thought Rick Auerbach because I I knew that name was familiar because I uh, I looked it up. He wore he was one of the four people who wear number one. Uh, yeah, but yeah, that, that's that's good. I like it. All right. Well, you've got a uh, Dodgers in quotes rewind for us. Yeah, so normal. I think every single one of these we've done has been a former Dodger in some form or another. Uh, this one we're not, um, partially just because it's it's a little newsworthy. Um, Roland Heeman um, was a longtime executive and scout, like over sixty years. Uh, he died on uh, Sunday night, I guess. Um, he was ninety two. Just you seem to be like universally beloved. Um, not Dodgers related, but there's a few Dodger stories I'll get into. Uh, some of the notes. Uh, so he was a Braves executive in the '50s. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, including, uh, he was the person who like drafted um, Hank Aaron's first minor league contract. There wasn't like a draft, so he didn't draft him in that way. But he literally wrote the contract. Um, he helped build the Angels when they were an expansion team in the '60s. He was the White Sox GM from 1970 to 1985. Among the things there, he he gave Tony Larusa his first managerial gig. So he's got a pretty like keen eye for talent. He was the Orioles GM from 1988 to 95. He also helped build the D-backs in the late 90s, and then worked with them and, uh, until like 2017. He founded the Arizona Fall League. Um, going to link to. Uh, Jacob Pomerenke's uh, saber bio and obituary of Heeman. Uh, it's very thorough. Among Heeman's like executive tree, uh, Dave Dombrowski, Walt Jockety, Doug Melvin, Ken Williams. Uh, Dodgers connections there are Dan Evans and Derek Hall. Uh, there are a couple stories that are uh, sort of tangentially uh, related to the Dodgers. Um, when the Dodgers... Uh, he traded Tommy John to the Dodgers for Dick Allen, uh, the aforementioned, just missing out on the Hall of Fame, Dick Allen, prior to 1972. 
long time uh, that spring, Dick Allen held out because he wanted a bigger contract. And so it was like this, uh, a lot of the like the reports that spring in Chicago were like, man, what did the, the White Sox get into? But then by the time he showed up, he was like hitting, Dick Allen was like hitting rockets. And there was a report that said, uh, Roland Heeman saw him and he said, you know, Dick, you're going to make me an awful lot smarter than I am. And then that year, uh, Dick Allen won MVP. So he knew what he was doing. Uh, at the 1988 winter meetings, uh, Roland Heeman uh, helped a young Dodger fan named Eric Steven by trading for his uh, favorite non-Dodger, Eddie Murray. He, he sent Eddie Murray to the Dodgers for Brian Holton, Ken Howell, and Juan Bell. Um, on the way to announce, this was at the winter meetings in Atlanta. Uh, on the way to announce the deal, uh, Roland Heeman, Dodgers uh, GM Fred Clare, Tommy Lasorda, Frank Robinson, and like a bunch of other people were in this elevator to like go down to announce the deal, and it got stuck. It was a glass elevator. Larry Stone of the Seattle Times shared this anecdote yesterday um, when he talked to Heeman about it. He says, uh, he, this is Heeman um, sort of re recalling it to him. The glass was starting to fog up, so I grabbed Fred Clare by the neck and said, you're fading on me. Give me another player before you go. And I just thought that was pretty funny. Um, uh, Ed Sherman in the Chicago Tribune led a 1989 column on Roland Heeman said, Roland Heyman is such an eternal optimist that if he found himself in a hurricane, he'd say, we certainly needed the rain. <laughs> uh, so, like, he's – it seemed like ev everyone had a kind word to say about it. That's why I wanted to include him. Uh, plus, any any um, reason to bring up Eddie Murray, I'm, I shoehorn it in. Um, so, back to the Eddie Murray trade. Uh, the Dodgers traded uh, Holt, Brian Holt and Ken Howell. They were pitchers. Both of them pitched for the 1988 Dodgers. Uh, infielder Juan Bell was the sort of the prospect of the deal. Um, they sent him to the Orioles for Eddie Murray. How many total games did that trio play for Baltimore? Cool. Cool question, Eric. Yeah. Uh, 150. Uh, okay, I, <laughs> I, I, I just probably looked up the answer, huh? All right. No, I, ha I have, okay. I have it on my note card because I was looking this up earlier. Like I was making notes. Like I, I wasn't sure which direction I was going to go for the question. Uh -huh. I was going to give you. I forgot to give you a range, and I was going to say within fifty games, and you nailed it under that rubric. They totaled one hundred eighty-five games oh, with yeah. the Orioles. Uh, I'm so, so smart. And the, Ken Howell was traded four days after the Orioles got him to the Phillies. Um, so he never pitched for, for Baltimore. Mike yeah, no. Uh, Brian Holton, he pitched in 72 it's games. A, it's a joke, His man. last major league game was July 30th, 1990. Juan Bell uh, played in 329 games after the trade, 113 with the Orioles. His last game in the majors was 1995. Um, Ken Howell only pitched two more years with the Phillies. He had some injuries. His last major league game was 1990. So the point is that Eddie Murray, even though he was the oldest player in the deal, outlasted all of them, uh, and he outlasted all of them on the Orioles, uh, like for you know three years. Uh, he had three years with the Dodgers, at least. Um, the other interesting thing about this is um, every player but one, if you take this down the trade tree route, had negative WAR um, with the Orioles. Um, Ken Howell had zero. Uh, war obviously because he didn't pitch for him, but Juan Bell negative one point one, Brian Holton negative one point nine, um, 
Phil Brad, uh, they traded Ken Hal for Phil Bradley. He was positive 3.6 war, but everyone else canceled it out. Um, there was also uh, Phil Bradley got dealt for Ron Kittle, who had negative 0.6 war for Baltimore. Um, I believe Ken Howell, um, or maybe I'm mixing these up. There were a couple other, oh, I guess Juan Bell, uh, traded for Steve Scarsoni, negative uh, 0.1, and then who was traded for Mark Leonard, who had negative 0.3. So if you total all that up, that is negative 0.4 war that the Orioles got uh, from all the players in the trade tree for Eddie Murray, uh, who had about... Uh, I forgot what he had with the Dodgers, but it was very good. So, including winning a batting title that he never won. So, well, it's time. You ready? Yay! It's time for questions from Craig. Five-ish questions from our friend Craig Manami. Are you ready? Yep. Starting off as we do with trivia for you. The Dodgers did uh, complete one bit of business before the lockout. Uh, before you, uh, Craig does thank me for uh, some barbecue I sent you to over the oh yeah over the first week. So so thank you. Uh, You're welcome, uh, Craig. I tr- you sent some to me as well. Uh, I tried the burnt ends and they were fantastic. Uh, fantastic. Oh man, though I'm hungry. Uh, I'm probably getting Joe's tomorrow. So good for me. Uh, there are seven <laughs> other NL players, including two teammates, that have more BWAR and less played appearances than Taylor um, um, since Taylor started. Um, and all of them played in 2021. Can Eric name those players? Um, oh, okay. Um, okay, I misread. I was reading this in a weird way at first, but I think yeah. I understand what he was going for. So the two teammates were almost for, well, wait a minute. Um, oh, in less PA. Mm-hmm. Hmm. <laughs> um, 14.8. So, okay. So the teammates, I think then are Bellinger and Justin Turner. Uh, Bellinger is, uh, it is not Justin Turner. So is it Corey Seager? It is not. Hmm, I don't think he made the war. Um, this is concerning. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, if it's not... Uh, wait a minute. Okay, no, no, NL players. Um, hmm. Hmm. All right. Um, what about... Hmm. Years. Um, all right, I'm going to circle back to the Dodger part. Uh, more B1 and less plate appearances. Hmm. Um, so I guess Chris Bryant. Nope. See, these are, I, I think a lot of these, not all of this, but think of really good players who debuted a year or two after Chris Taylor did. Right, I guess. Um, So I guess Ronald Acuna uh, would be in that That, chunk. Juan Soto. Yep, uh, Juan Soto leads this list with 17.6. He's really good. (laughs) Figure that out. Maybe. Um, Let's see. You are missing one player who debuted in 2018 and uh, one other player other than Cody Bellinger who debuted in 2017. Hmm. 
Yeah, I don't know why I'm blanking on this. Um, I will let you know the other do- uh, player who debuted in 2018 is the Dodger teammate you're missing. And <laughs> all right, and this is position <laughs> player. It is. <laughs> Respectfully, Craig, what the fuck? <laughs> you're going to kick yourself. Uh, yeah. I, I know why you're yeah. blanking on it. but uh, um, Okay. So, debuted in 2018. Was not drafted by the Dodgers. There's obviously. A, there's a hint. No, I know, it's not obviously. But, um, wow. All right. I'm just going to get up. And... Uh, this is... Oh. So, Manny Machado? Nope. Um, made his debut, debut in 2018. Well, he made his NL debut. Um, <laughs> so... Oh. God, this is... Uh, I'm so mad. Um, debut in 2018. I'm just... I'm mentally going through that roster, and it's angering me. Um, so mad. No, um, I, I should clarify, and I think this... Uh, I'm sure there's a reason uh, for his entry. This player did make a small brief appearance prior to 2018. Oh. Oh, so, no. So, yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. But still, I yeah. So I not... like and more, you know, and he had more. So it's uh, Max Muncy, just so we're clear uh, as I move oh, forward. All right. um, had you know, two hundred and forty played in premises of the A. So I'm not. Oh, yeah. because it those all were done prior to Chris Taylor appearing. That's why. There you go. Yeah. Uh, but also, that was confusing. Also he, his I, I, previous he, time was in the American League. Yeah. So. Well. Yeah. But I mean. Uh, yeah. All right. Fine. I don't know the other one either. So just. Uh, so you're mind. missing. Um, uh, uh, Cattell Marte. Sorry, getting, bringing mm-hmm. the list back, back up, and um, Wilson Wilson Contreras. There you go. Wow, didn't think he. Had uh, and Colton one. You're missing Colton one too. Oh damn! Chris Taylor has hit 25 triples in his Dodger career since 2016. Taylor is tied for fourth most uh, triples in the National League. Can Eric name the six other players with 25 or more triples? Since 2016. So there's two with exactly 25. That's not Taylor. Um, so let's go there to the well. three. Oh, let's go with uh, Kettle Marte. Yeah, hey, there you go. Um, 25 triples. I don't. Hmm. I am having a hard time. Um, think here. Um, let's go with Trey Turner. Uh, yep. Um, and I'm out. I don't, I, my brain is mush right now. Okay. Regarding um, uh, Charlie Blackman, Trevor Story, Ozzy Albies, David Peralta. Mm, Albies, nice. Okay. Chris Taylor hit the first walk-off home run in a National League wildcard round game in 2021. <laughs> there has only been one other walk-off home run in the uh, wildcard game. Uh, Craig didn't put on in the wild card games that make it sound like it's right. the only walk off home run. <laughs> yeah, that's ever. it. Uh, that would have been uh, Edwin Encarnacion. You are correct. Uh, yeah. Uh, Taylor is one of three, last one, uh, Dodger position players with four or more sacrifice hits since 2016. Can Eric name the other two in two guesses? Uh, Austin Barnes. That's one of them. He has four. Um, okay. Um, oh, damn. Um, 
I'm going to give you one hint. Not currently a Dodger. Not currently a Dodger. Okay. Um, thinking here. Uh, not going silent. Um, I don't even think that. I don't even trust this answer, nope. but I'm going to say it anyway. Jock Peterson. Kike Hernandez. Damn it. All right. Back in my salad days, I sang in the elementary school choir. Whoa, we, we need to get audio of this. <laughs> we would do several holiday performances in the school auditorium. Did Eric and or Jacob ever perform or speak at a school assembly in their pre-college years? Uh, very much so, yes. Uh, the one thing I that sort of stands out, I think this was second grade. Everyone did like a... Um, we did a square dance. <laughs> we're like we're all dressed in like gingham and crap, and uh, it was bizarre. Pretty much, and um, there was that. But so the the my speaking thing. Um, no promenade. So I won in fifth grade. I won uh, class president uh, because I do, and I don't remember doing this in an assembly. I did I did the the campaigning in class. Yeah, but I did a rap. Which just and I, I I cleaned the clock of my opponent, whoever it was. I don't even remember who it was, and uh, I just remember. So as part of my duties as class president, I I got to announce the, uh, like the elementary school graduation that year. I guess the names. <laughs> what a strange. And, or or it's like a weird. Or maybe I didn't announce every name, but um. Oh, I I announced like the beginning of the ceremony or something, and I just remember. Uh, I think we had to do Pledge of Allegiance or some crap. And uh, after it, I, I said, it was like this weird, like it wasn't formal or anything. And But instead of saying at some point, I, instead of saying, please be seated, I said, okay, now everybody sit down. And then like, like I think like every adult in the room was like, ah, ha, ha, the funniest thing ever. And I was like, what the hell? And so like, yeah, but that that's about all I can remember for that. Um. You know, I was, uh, I like, was a representative of, in the geography B in fourth grade. I Nerd. cried when I lost. I took third, I think. Uh, oh, man. And th- then a one. year or two later, I found out that, that the fact that I had cried was on my permanent record or like the report that my oh. parents got. I was like, oh. what? I feel so Dear betrayed. God. Why Narks. are you. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um. Um, I, 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 you know, like every kid was in like a choir or a music thing at one point. So there's that, but, um, I did drama in high school, but that wasn't school wide. That was yeah. something else. So third grade, um, thanks for bringing up trauma, bee. Craig. Yeah. Third grade spelling bee. It was the final three, uh, were myself, Aaron Rich and Raj Latwala and, um, the top two got, got to go to district. How'd you do? The word I was the word I was asked <laughs> to spell was niece. I am fairly certain I was the only one in that room, the only student in that room, at age what would that have been? <laughs> age, oh, I can't even do the math. I guess I was age nine. I was the only one in that room who actually had a niece, and uh, I still spelled it wrong. And and then uh, I spent the bulk of the next hour crying in my third grade yeah, class. Yeah, man. Hey, we point we where, share the experience. The I was fourth Mrs. grade, but Mrs. Hendricks came up to me, and, and her her sort of way to soothe my pain was, "Okay, that's enough." <laughs> <laughs> so 
Yep. Uh, good times. I think Brooklyn yeah, Bridge. Is, Raj and Aaron. Yeah, I think yeah. Brooklyn Bridge was my uh, my downfall. I just couldn't think of that. Nice. It was probably a poorly worded question. So. I, I've never been to France, but if I do, I'm not even going to the city of Nice, even though it's not spelled that <laughs> is way. Is that how you spelt it, maybe? Maybe you, you should know, have made it. Did you ask for uh, a sentence? Maybe they meant, you know. I did I, I did E before I, uh, uh, so I just, I bonked it, man. I don't think I can compose an intelligent question on the F1 final race, except to ask prior to yesterday, had either of you followed F1 at all? I'll note that I grew up watching NASCAR and Indy racing on the worldwide the, the wide world of sports. Uh, never followed F1. A couple years ago, someone at SB Nation, uh, Kim McCauley, wrote uh, a story on the Netflix show Drive to Survive, which was like not super popular at the time when she wrote it. It was gaining popularity, but that was great. And I, I made, it, made a point like I'm gonna I'm gonna watch that at least to watch the. Uh, the special, the the Netflix thing, not necessarily F one, but I guess people have gotten into it a lot since then, and and it's still going. Um, but now, what I, I'm only into F one in the fact that a a stunningly large percentage of baseball Twitter uh, tweets about F one, and other other people I follow tweet a lot about F one. So that's sort of how I ingest that news. But I do not really follow it at all. Yeah, um, I born in indiana so having at least some sort of association with the indy 500 and indy racing mm -hmm. is by law required uh check it, it's in the state docket somewhere um so like i've been to a few indy 500s and like therefore kind of tangentially uh you're frequently an f1 race in indy um uh, with like t like via osmosis a little aware but no i don't i don't follow it all other it's also that. why, to this day, every time you you do a car ride, you drink milk when you're done. That's just it's very it's just how you do it. It's delicious, straight from cream top bottle. Uh, an right. early 2022 contest question, and you have to pick different teams. Name the team that will win the most games over their 2021 total, and the team that will lose the most games against their 2021 record. It's too early for that, right? Like, I mean, I don't know. Um, uh, I'll go first then, since you were uh, caving, and I will pick uh, the stock answer and say the Texas Rangers will win the more games than their twenty twenty one total. All right, let's let's look at some totals. Um, so the Rangers uh, they won sixty games, so that's a decent uh, that's a decent upward trend. Um, so I just because of that, uh, not just because of that, but um, looking at that sort of direction, uh, I will say the Marlins. Uh, they won sixty-seven. So most wins improvement. Okay, do you have a do you have a loss? No, you, you, I or, guessed first on the other. You guessed first here, friend. Okay, no, but that, that's I mean that's that's yeah. next, right? Like, so who's gonna? Um, <laughs> So I get like, even if the Giants are excellent, <laughs> and they and they win ninety two games or something like yeah, that's a fifteen loss drop. So I'm going to take the Giants. Yeah, I should have just let you take. That was going to be my. Yeah. Now I have to go to the drawing board. Um, for no reason whatsoever, I will say the White Sox. Mm -hmm. So the White Sox last year. 
were 93 and 69. That's, yep, you, you could sort of see it. Some right? weird, the, obviously still a very good team, but some weird Grendalian implosion. <laughs> Final like question it. of 2021, and I don't like it. I've mentioned uh, Chex Mix, and I am asking for the family recipe, but I wanted to ask. Not asking, yeah. Uh, and I'm not asking. I don't have one. Yeah. Uh, and I am asking, uh, but I wanted to ask Eric, which three, the four types of Chex Mix are the best for this treat? And aside from uh, stick pretzels, what other add-ons would you recommend? And for Jacob, so here, oh, yeah. oh, fine. No, go no. ahead. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah, let's do, the Chex, let's do the Chex Mix first. Um, so I will say this. I am ambivalent on stick pretzels. They were what my mom used to make all the time. I have stick pretzels in my cupboard right now, but I also have little mini twists. Uh, I'm going to probably make Chex Mix this coming weekend. Um, but yeah, so you have to have corn and rice Chex at least. Um, the other uh, occasional addition is um, wheat Chex, although it doesn't. That, that tends to burn easier, uh, so like when you just put it in the oven. My general, the general sort of recipe, recipe is a strong word here because it's just combining stuff that's already made. Um, but it's, yeah, so you basically equal equal parts, corn and rice checks, um, pretzels, and you choose what you want, um, and then uh, cocktail peanuts. And basically that, and then you mix like butter and Worcestershire sauce. And I've added, been known to add a little bit of cinnamon to that mixture. And then you just like pour it over the, the stuff. You put it in the oven. Then maybe about halfway through, you put more butter Worcestershire combo on it. And that's kind of it. But that, that's pretty much the the plain Jane uh, Chex Mix. I don't like I don't like the ones with like Cheez Its. I don't like the ones with the um, like crouton type things. Um, I, I go pretty simple on it. I hate Chex Mix. We used to have my mom used to make also with add Cheerios. I've <sighs> I've taken those out. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. a lot. Um... I love it. For Jacob and Eric, for that holiday movie marathon, which is just Die Hard eight times, what is your – he didn't say that I did. What is your home snack <laughs> menu, and does movie candy fit in anywhere? Movie candy fits in everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's so <laughs> M&Ms are so small there. Snack, I mean, snack menu is just like – it's all like popcorn is always in the mix, right? Like it's just – it's a thing. Um so for this time of year, like, I guess, depending, I haven't gone to Trader Joe's or anything. I do like Jingle Jangle, even though it has, like, too much dark chocolate for my taste. But that's a good little snacky thing to have. Um, maybe maybe you do, like, a, um, a hot chocolate or a apple cider. And for me, as a single person living in an apartment... Um, my go-to on that is just having the the like Theraflu style um, <laughs> uh, little packets yeah. of the apple cider or whatever, and <laughs> that's how I make that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so uh, I'm not I'm not like mulling anything or anything like that. It's not fancy, 
but yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, it's. Uh, I like yeah, I like I, I like a hot cider, but not during a movie marathon. Um, no, I uh, just some. Uh, I'll take those pretzels, rescue them from the fate, like being sent to Chex <laughs> Mix, and use them in with some French onion dip. That sounds lovely. Mm. Uh, and then you know, just general some you know, cri- leftover Christmas cookies. If those still ex- you know, if those have not been all eaten yet, some glass of milk. You're good to go. Uh, the thing is, if you're leftovers, it implies after Christmas. And who's watching holiday movies no, after Christmas? Well, uh, no. Like if you're making it for something and you have extra. Yeah, like yeah, about. made it for like yeah. the des- one of the yep. desserts on Christmas Eve, and then yeah, that's fair. Okay, yeah, no, and, and, and if for you the don't, most part, uh, some Nilla wafers work just fine. I've been heavy into uh, YouTube rabbit holes of like recipes that I want to make, yep. just like searching for stuff. I in the last week I made like a a red pepper uh, sauce that I used for uh, pasta and some other stuff. I made salsa the other day. Uh, I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to make this, but I, I watched the video just because I was I loved it so much. But this guy made his like his his own homemade like. Um, what was it? Uh, it was like bacon onion dip. It wasn't like ranch, but like um, it was like homemade. And then he also made his own homemade potato chips, and it looks so damn good. Uh, I just wanted to make that. But e- even that, like the the s- get a thing of sour, and I hate sour cream generally. I guess I don't hate it as much as I thought, but I will totally get sour cream and then mix in any of the like grocery store like powder mixes and then you just mix it up like um french onion uh bacon ranch whatever like any of those are like excellent with like potato chips so that that's another like sort of snacky type thing but i don't know if it's anything specific to the holidays um really unless you unless there's like just holiday stuff around like either holiday candy not that you're like kind of candy cane every night the last thing i'll mention uh in the vein i hadn't thought of this but i may if i have a a cheat meal to use on these they are delicious in the same vein as chex mix a little bit are um the idea of a compost cookie or kitchen sink cookie and uh momofuku milk bar recipe has a uh kitchen sink i think they call it a compost cookie recipe that has their default is oats espresso powder chocolate chips butterscotch chips ruffles mini pretzels Ooh. crunched up uh grand cracker powder i think i think i got them all i might be missing something and they are out of this world good wow and i'll probably uh those are big hits and like i think it hits that same sweet sweet and salty thing that I'll, i think a lot of people get from checks mix but i do not so uh especially when you buy into a nice bit of like gooey chocolate with ruffles nothing better Nice. Well, that's it. That's 2021. We're, when do you, I, I'll ask, you know, I'm going to throw in a contest question for our sign up. Yeah. When do you think baseball starts? When is, when is opening Ugh. the first game of, of regular season baseball this year? Oh, that, yeah, April 1st. Uh, I, I am so cynical uh, in this. I, I'll say June 1st. Wow. Yep. I, I think look, there's going to be, a, I think, I think it's happening. Like, I'm just going to tell you, I know we, we were way optimistic during the pandemic, but I'm going to clean your clock on this one. All right. This is not going to be pretty. Yeah. I, hey, hey, I'll buy you a, I'll buy you a Ferriflu hot apple cider packet. <laughs> they, should, 
Theraflu should actually make hot apple cider flavor. Theraflu. How about how about this? So. You know, I'll stick to that for contest, but additional bet. I like if there is if it if there is no delay of the the uh, the uh, process, I owe you a coke and the Theraflu. I'll put the Theraflu in the coke. It'll be delicious. I, I do. <laughs> I do think there's going to be like yeah, spring training is going to be short, but I think it's going to basically. No, yep. But I think, like, I think you get at most, you're talking like, because of logistics, you have to like, go a week or two into April. That's as far as I go. But I, I just, I just think they're gonna. I think April first is the way to go. For I them. mean, I think this is. Ve- I think a good way to put this is, I don't think it's a 162 game season. That's what I think. Well, there you yeah. go. Well, either way, however long the season is, it's going to be annoying. So <laughs> we're the next gonna month's going to so be annoying. you to talk about, there, and, and we're gonna. If there's yeah. anything you want us to talk about, uh, send us a tweet. Yeah, we might do a mailbag episode in January just to get over. But everyone enjoy uh, any holidays you might be celebrating. Uh, enjoy the new year. We'll talk to you again in 2022.